On today's show, we begin our two-part series on the death of Kaylee Anthony. To start, we'll take a look at her mom, Casey Anthony's upbringing, exploring the relationship Casey had with her parents and the start of her compulsion to lie. We'll then discuss Casey as a mother, how it affected her relationship with her parents, the disappearance of Kaylee, and the odd stories Casey gave police during the investigation. Today's show is sure to be a great one. You might even call it a smoke show. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you were involved in the controversial vote-fixing scandal of 2020, stick around. Unlike the old proverb says, this time, cheaters do prosper. It's Casey Anthony time. This is Necronomapod. They are going to be admissible in court, subject to a relevance objection. But, you know, what are we proving so far by hearing this stuff? What are we proving? I don't think they're relevant at this point. Are you, are you, are you just pontificating, or do you really want to know what they prove? Yeah, I want to know what you think I'll they prove. I'll tell you prove. what they prove. They prove that she's not concerned in the least about her missing daughter. That's not that true. She, she said she, 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 would, she if wants If you to want to hear what to else they her. prove, I'll finish my sentence. They prove that she is not concerned about her daughter. She has not set a, shed a single tear behind bars for her daughter. And if you listen to this stuff for hours and hours, as I have been doing all day long, you do not hear one legitimate conversation about the search for her daughter. Why? Because she knows she's dead. All right, so off the top, let's just get it out of the way right now. Uh, disclaimer, we understand the seriousness of this case. We understand that it involves the tragic murder of a beautiful little girl, Kaylee Anthony. And we fully intend to tell the entire story uh, and give all of the facts and information as we do with each and every topic we cover. And like each and every topic we cover, we're going to have fun along the way. Two of the members of this show happen to find the accused physically attractive. We've made some jokes about it in the past. We're probably going to make some jokes about it over the next couple weeks. If you don't like that, if that's going to be a turnoff, if that's something that you're going to find offensive, uh, by all means, feel free to skip this episode. We are absolutely not going to make fun of the victim, the crimes, or uh, anything related to the tragic murder of a little girl. But we are going to have some fun drink some beers, and tell stories like we always do, whether the cameras or the uh, microphones are recording or not. We don't have cameras yet. We can't afford that shit. (laughs) So anyways, you might not like this episode. You might not like this series. You might be offended by it. We might not give a shit. Um, We're warning you now. We're going to drink some beers and have some fun, and we're going to tell the story of the death of a tragic, or the uh, tragic death of a girl. So let it be written. So let it be done. Could I ask one question? Did you say we're going to provide all the facts or the faps? I wasn't sure exactly what you said. Yes. Okay. Just clarifying. Yeah. Um, Just want to get that out of the way because I know people are going to blow up and have a a hissy fit about this. But, you know, we every show we have, we treat the same. We tell the story and we have some fun along the way. We are literally just three guys who get together and drink beers and do a show. That's it. Talking to a microphone. We would be doing the same exact thing if the microphones weren't on. And most of you out there listening probably do the exact same thing. Um, Yeah. We're not going to mock the death of a girl, but we are going to talk about how some of us think that the accused was attractive lady. (coughs) That being said, before we can move forward, we have to close up a few things 
from our West Memphis three episode. Apparently, Ian need five parts to uh, finish the story. <laughs> we'll see you next week, Casey. Part five, <laughs> West Memphis three. Go. <laughs> so, uh, Ian, you had some things you wanted to, to close up that you uh, just missed or didn't get to uh, last week when we were finishing up West Memphis three. So the uh, floor is yours. A lot of times when I do these outlines, I, I need to start making actual notes for myself would probably be a better idea, but I leave stuff out that I'll just bring up on the fly and every once in a while I forget to bring it up. But the one thing I really wanted to bring up last or yeah, last week for West Memphis three part four was about Damien's glasses, because if you just see him all the time, like pictures of him, you would almost think like maybe he's a little douchey. He's always wearing sunglasses, but his eyes are completely fucked from sitting in solitary confinement for so long and not seeing sunlight. Like Mm. that's why he wears, they're like tinted. And if you see him in different pictures, you can tell they're not actual sunglasses that they have like this dark blue, like filter to the glasses. And it's because he literally can't look at be in daylight without these glasses. Was that common? I don't know. I was, you know, I think when we were talking about it through through text, we were saying, you know, there I mean, there's probably not a lot of uh, examples of somebody who got out of death row after being there for 19 years just to go walk around. Mm, that's and a good life. point. It's true. He's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you're never going to hear about it if, you know, if it was a problem. I'm fucked yeah. up. Yeah. I think what Ian was hinting at is if you're on death row, Dave, usually they just kill you whether you're guilty or not. It's the end of it. Spoken like a... Uh True death penalty opponent, Mike. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, though. I agree. That's so his, crazy. His depth perception's all fucked up, too, from being in, like, the little, just, like, that little room and looking because he would... With minimal one. light, I'm sure, right? Like, there's one little probably yeah. tiny light bulb way up there, you know, so that's mm. fucked up. Like, Jason and Jesse, they had the normal prison experience, you know, as far as having an actual like cell block and yeah. outdoor rec time stuff. Damien had nothing, and most of his time was spent in solitary confinement. Damn. And he got one, it was one hour a day of, you know, rec, like rec time, but it wasn't even really outdoors. Mm. Can you imagine not being able to see outside for years and years and years? Mm-mm. Yeah, you guys would love it. That is not true. <laughs> no, I am not the hermit that Ian is. You just have no business sleeping outside or going, you know, a leaving civilization. You don't need to go for fucking hikes or go camping. Nothing good comes from that other than like rattlesnake bites, being eaten by coyotes. Is that right? That's every story I've ever heard. The missing 411 feral people drag you off. Have you ever heard a news story about people going for a hike and it ending just fine? Like they went for a hike today. They had turkey sandwiches and they returned home by 6 p.m. That never happens. You never hear that on the news. Never. No. No. Instead, you hear about them on, you know, fucking a podcast like this. (laughs) You make a valid point, Mike. (laughs) Make a valid point. All right. Ian, you got anything else to close up on with West Memphis 3 or Damien? Uh, no, that was it. That, the glasses was the big one that I forgot. Yeah, that's nuts. Awful. Just awful. Yeah. And when you didn't even do it. Yeah. Makes it 10 times worse. All right. Well, let's close the book on that one and open a book on another one. Here we go, Dave. This is the moment you've been waiting for. I'm pretty sure you're going to retire from Necronomapod after next week's show, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm getting to be that age. We can't last forever. All right, Ian, the stage is once again yours. Let's get into uh, Casey Anthony. Before we start, though, I, I will. I would like to say that I honestly did not ever want to get to this show because I think the running bit on her is 
a lot more fun than doing the actual show. And oh, yeah. Now that, now that bit's over, <laughs> so I'm a little sad to see it go. Again, welcome to me in college. The foreplay is much better than the actual performance. Like, this is going to be, people are going to be like, they didn't even really make jokes. Like, Ian just told the story like always. Yeah, because it's not really that funny, and it's not really a jokey, jokey story when you get into it. So I'm, right. I'm a little sad to actually do it. But see, you, got- you fucking cheaters, you, just, you brought this on us. Well, we did give them 19 weeks of West Memphis 3. That's true. Which, by the way, we got credit, Ian. People were very impressed with uh, your research, as always. They think you did a great job with West Memphis 3. I think... Yeah, I saw some, saw some good feedback out there, and I saw one, uh, one well, some more feedback that Dave might yeah, get hey, into no at the spoilers. end of the episode. No spoilers. <laughs> give him a reason to stick around. See, now they have to listen to Dave and I's inappropriate jokes. Exactly. I also want to point out that I do not have my shoes on today. So there were a lot of people asking if we had a no shoes policy and yeah. what like what people have a shoe policy where you're allowed to wear shoes in the house like savages, yeah. right? Neanderthals who wears shoes in the house. So uh, we posted a picture last week. I don't know. What was it? Friday or Saturday of us in studio because we hadn't posted a photo of us in a long time, like a year. And I think people thought we were being like secretive. And it's like, no, we're just fucking lazy. And also there's a pandemic. We're not always together. So I think this was like the third time we had all seen each other over the last year. Yeah. And we were like, well, let's we're in, you know, Dave's got this awesome studio now in his basement. It was Dave's house. He's got a decorated that, you know, I don't want credit for that martyrs poster behind you. That's all you, Pally, <laughs> or that fucking whatever that thing is up there with tits. And that's uh, a Baphomet, Mike uh, Baphomet. Uh, <laughs> you can Baphomet the fuck out of here. <laughs> but anyway, so we're in Dave's basement and we, uh, you know, we respect carpet. Took our shoes off. Yeah. Like, are there people out there just sit around like wearing sneakers in the house? Can you imagine? Is that weird? Ugh. I don't know. Yeah. Like every once in a while, I'll like run in. Like if I have to like run in real quick for something, like I'll run into, you know, upstairs with my shoes on and get grilled for <laughs> not taking them off real quick, you know? Better never try that over here, Buster. You're going to get grilled double. <laughs> yeah, Buster. <laughs> Yeah. You're not my boss, old man. Hey, what's that little Ian? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, speaking of not wearing shoes in a house, Ian, you go ahead and make that connection because I can't. <laughs> Hometown hero. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. And I, you know what? I didn't even know it. I actually did know this. I didn't know the exact city, but I knew she was a, yeah. a local hero or that? a local person. She's not a hero. She's not a hero. Mike. She's not. But I can be your hero, baby. <laughs> All right. So Casey I'm, Anthony was born Martin. You can give her a foot long, right? <laughs> no. You guys. I was quoting Enrique Iglesias. It's a song. I can be your hero, baby. That was not you guys ch- changing to me singing to Casey. Huh. Fuck you guys. I'm being appropriate today. Okay. <laughs> I even got my hands up above the desk. Dave and I are going to do frequent hand checks throughout this. <laughs> Jesus. All right, where are that's nope. Moving on. So Casey Anthony was born March nineteenth, nineteen eighty six, in Warren, Ohio, to Cindy and George Anthony. She also has a brother named Lee Anthony. At some point the family relocated to Florida with most of this story taking place in Orlando. So Warren, Ohio, that's about seventy miles east of here. I've been there. It's what's it famous for? Uh massage parlors and hand jobs, right? They have a, a it, nice Best Western. They have a nice Best Western. Do they? And it was one of the first places I've had alligator. Oh. At some kind of little okay. fancy restaurant away. There's the uh, the Warren Civic Center. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been there? I have not. It's a pretty cool concert venue. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's all the Asian massage parlors out there in Warren is what mm. they're known for. Wish you would have smartened me up to that uh, ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's over by that uh, where Mike Tyson's mansion or when Tyson used to live in Ohio boy, uh, when he had the Tigers. I know where that is now. Yeah, it's there. out there. Cindy Anthony worked as a nurse and George Anthony worked as a police officer. By 2008, when all of this went down, he was retired and working as a security guard for a movie theater. George seems like a guy that just kind of moves forward with life and goes with the flow of whatever Cindy says to a major fault. As we go along the story, we'll see that Cindy ends up doubling down on all of Casey's lies, fully backing her daughter. And George Anthony just kind of sits in the background with his life being controlled by Cindy and Casey until it's too late. I, I think the statement, all of Casey's lies, is a little presumptuous this early in the story, but <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> it's your outline, buddy, but, you know, yeah. I'm putting you on notice here. Wow. Dave's on yeah. to you. Growing up, there really isn't anything negative to say about Casey. She was described as having a bright personality, smart, and no issues with popularity. But when high school came around, Casey started lying. These lies started out as nothing too concerning, but eventually it started to become a pattern. Her senior year of high school, she told her first huge lie and took it right to the point of the truth coming out. And we'll see that with this, taking a lie to the very edge is something that happens over and over again. When graduation came around, Casey was doing all the normal graduation stuff, like having a party, buying cap and gown, all that kind of stuff. However, the day before graduation, it was revealed that Casey wasn't graduating high school and she had just flat out stopped attending school. Instead of there being some punishment or anything along those lines, her mother Cindy told Casey just to continue with the lie. Cindy told everyone in the family that Casey did graduate. The school just messed up. So that's why she wasn't walking with the rest of the students. I don't find it that strange to cover for a kid like that. I don't know. I would do the same. Would right? the school at some point not contact the family and be like, hey, by the way, here's what's going on? Yeah, maybe. Was Casey 18? Well, she would have been 18 as point? of March, the year she was graduating, because this was she'd have been the same year as me. Mm. So she would have turned 18 in March. But the, I feel like they still are going to notify her family. Like, isn't that when you can call yourself in sick to school when you're an adult and a senior? Yeah. I was, I young, mean, was, I was she, younger. I don't know. Was she doing that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying it's a little odd. Did you ever call I mean, yourself in sick? No, I don't think I did. Mm. I was a good kid, Dave. I went to school. Right. <laughs> I mean, there was a few times that it was questioned if I was going to graduate or not because I fucked around. But no one ever called my mom and told her about it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I guess it depends on the school district, but probably. you didn't get to a point where you were legit not going to graduate. I still feel like they would have said something. Or like, don't you get like, doesn't the school send like invitations like, Here's your graduation announcement. You know, show up to the stadium on this day. It's just weird that like they had no clue until like yeah. the day. I think before. sometimes schools yeah. might give too much uh, too much trust in students. Sometimes, yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I'm nitpicking here. I just thought that was a little odd. That well, it depends on the school district, big district, large di or small district. You know, I'm sure yeah. it's all different. Casey's next huge lie came when she was 19. Cindy noticed that Casey had gained some weight and asked her if she was pregnant. Casey denied that she was pregnant, claiming that she was still a virgin. After seven months of denying it, Casey finally admitted that she was pregnant, which I don't really understand how that lie went that long because she's lived with her parents this whole time. So they would have had to have known that she, you know, 
I mean, by seven months, you're obviously fucking pregnant. But that's also like if you see someone every day and you see it very gradually, like someone growing or changing, you don't necessarily notice it. Right. As opposed to like if you didn't see them for a month and then you see them, you're like, oh, man, like you look big. That's a good point. Did you notice the 30 pounds I put on during the pandemic last year, Mike? Nope. <laughs> see, <laughs> saw you all the time doing this show. <laughs> exactly. Except for the time you wouldn't allow me in your home because I was you know, COVID COVID positive. Yeah. That's weird. You fucking treated me like I was, you know, a leper <laughs> So get away from me. And I was like, ah, that's true. You are in that high risk age. <laughs> that's, that's not true. You're not quite there. So I'm assuming Ian, like she, she was, she was in fact, not a virgin. Uh, no. I'm, and, well, and it could have been, like... it could have been God. Aren't you gonna be covering that on the next Bible babble? We cover that every week on, or every month on Bible babble. Yes. God was like, Ooh, I choose you. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like you guys are covering for a bit for Casey here in the beginning because I think there's a little difference between being pregnant and gaining a bit of weight over seven months. Oh, maybe she had a thyroid issue, Ian. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I mean, seven months pregnant. Like, yeah, like that's come on. You're not. You might not just be plumping up. You're just going to have like this big belly sticking out. I get it. I don't so. eat 10,000 calories a day. I have a thyroid issue, okay? <laughs> Ian, have you uh, located the gentleman that popped her cherry? Uh, Mike and I wouldn't mind interviewing him if future bonus show, maybe. I think he died in a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing. We'll see you next week in part two. <laughs> We're going to make this eight weeks because people probably love it so far. <laughs> but, so eventually this this lie comes out because this can't go on forever. So eventually, you know, she has to tell the truth that she is pregnant, but the Anthony's all went to a family get together soon after this. And Cindy told everyone at the family gathering that Casey wasn't pregnant, that it was just water weight. And she told mm. Casey to go along <laughs> with the lie. Hey, everyone look at Casey. She's getting a little fat, but you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> It's it's fucking weird because everybody at this family thing, like the way it's told is that everyone was coming up to her and congratulating her because she's obviously pregnant. And they're like, oh, you know, that's so exciting and stuff. And right. Cindy's like, no, it's just water weight, like water weight. <laughs> is that like beer weight? Because I know what that's like. Water weight. But she's a small girl. I mean, sometimes small girls when they're pregnant like that don't necessarily get very big. So it might just look like a little. You know, a little round belly. I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about here. I'm just, ma- I'm just making things up. Hey, you're a gynecologist. You exactly know what I'm you're on license, though, Mike. Well, so that doesn't matter in Arkansas, as we learned in West Memphis 3. Just fucking, you know, be a coroner with no education. That's true. Friends of Casey said that during, the, during her pregnancy, she had talked about wanting to give the baby up for adoption, but Cindy wouldn't let her. So Kaylee Anthony was born on August 9th, 2005. Regarding the father of Kaylee, it's still to this day not known who he is. Wow. At first, Casey told her mother it was some someone named Eric Baker, who she hooked up with once. But shortly after she told Cindy, Eric Baker died in a car crash. The next possibility was an ex-boyfriend named Jesus Ortiz, who ended up dying in a car crash. And finally, there was an ex-fiancé named Jesse Grund. Jesse Grund knew it probably wasn't him because of the timing, but for a little while, he was in Kaylee's life until him and Casey broke up. 
later on, Jesse Grund was DNA tested and was confirmed to not be the father of Kaylee. So mm. we have no idea. I need a Maury button here. You are not the father. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and here's the weird thing about this whole car crash stuff is that Jesus Ortiz really did die in a car crash. Like those two, they dated and he really did die in a car crash. But the thing about Eric Baker, and it's really relevant to the story, is it's, it's almost certain that Casey never hooked up with or knew a guy named Eric Baker. But an Eric Baker who lived in Florida actually did exist and did die in a car wreck. Casey probably saw it on the news or online and just rolled with that yeah, lie. Yeah. And we'll see how she pulls real people that don't know her or have never even met her, how she just pulls these people into her lies. She's like, yeah, I swear the father of the baby, uh, his name's Dale Earnhardt. I swear he's the father. <laughs> he died in a car wreck. <laughs> Look, Daytona's not far from Orlando. It's like 45 minutes. It's very close. <laughs> what year did Dale Earnhardt die? 2001. I don't think it matches up, Dave. Okay. Just a little just young. making sure. Yeah. You just wanted to shoot me to prove that I knew that? Or? I did. Okay. Well, I know you did. I just wanted to I'd let you uh, show off your skill set. Thank you very much. Yeah. To make up for that trivia performance <laughs> last weekend. That's right. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Try not to spotlight you, Mike. Do what I can. <laughs> Thanks. Before Kaylee's disappearance, there wasn't really any negative things to say about Casey and Kaylee's relationship. To people on the outside, they appeared to love each other, but it seemed that... Kaylee was more of Cindy's daughter than Casey's. For an example, Cindy was the first one to hold Kaylee when she was born. Like Cindy just stepped in and told the nurse, no, give me the baby. I'll hold the baby first. That's a little weird. Kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, there appear to be lots of pics of the two of them. Seems rather normal for the most part. They seemed happy. Yeah. And to everybody right. on the outside and everybody, you know, all of her friends and stuff, that, you know. It seemed fine. The other thing about Casey's character is that whole party image that was very exaggerated by the media. Before all of this happened, she didn't drink besides getting drunk on her 21st birthday and was against smoking weed and stuff like that. She was always the DD for her friends, and she just wasn't into doing that stuff. Well, that's smart because everyone knows weed's a gateway drug to heroin. Don't do the weed. <laughs> I don't smoke weeds. I have to admit, I thought... I had that image of her, just a big party girl. If you just Nancy Google Grace her, did a good job. Yeah, right. Fucking Nancy Grace. All right, he's trying to get me all fired up again. <laughs> I should have came up with a Nancy Grace impersonation for the show. Maybe next week. <laughs> Here's one for you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, she might have been right with this Casey Anthony one, but that woman is horrible, awful, horrible. The stuff she would say, and my, my anger comes from the pro wrestling deaths and the way she would use it to try to make pro wrestling as this awful industry yeah, that yeah. was just a, you know, a factory of just throwing these bodies away and using them up. And, you know, yeah. and she had no evidence or no proof for anything. And she she tried to, you know, she threw Owen Hart in there who had a tragic fall to his dad yeah. as someone who would like OD'd and died, you know, due to drugs and, and the abuse on his body. Anyways, fuck her. Mike has spoken. I'm with you. Outside of the lying, there were still some issues in Casey's life. Cindy and Casey fought a lot, and it has been reported that a lot of this was based around raising Kaylee. Cindy and George were also getting really pissed with Casey because she was using credit cards and their money without their permission. And there was suspicion that she was stealing money from an account 
that was set up for health care for her grandfather, which was Cindy's father. Casey's a bit of a slug. A little bit. Yeah. This was like a slap in the face for her parents because not only did they pay for everything and let Casey and Kaylee live with them, but since around 2006, Casey had been working at Universal Studios, so you would think that she wouldn't need to be stealing money. She was coming and going from work, had work emails to show her parents, and had a babysitter for Kaylee when she needed one. So like, why the fuck are you stealing money and stuff? Yeah, right. On June 9th, 2008, Casey and Kaylee moved out from her parents' home. You would assume it was because of the tension between Casey and Cindy, and they moved in with another ex-boyfriend of hers, Ricardo Morales, and a female friend of hers, Amy Huizinga. You would think maybe they would have just uh, told her to leave Kaylee with them, no? Or maybe they did. She wouldn't. Yeah, we're going to see later on in this that that seems like one of the potential motives for all of this is this jealousy over who's going to raise Kaylee Mm. or something along those lines. Or like not letting the other one win and Kaylee being like the pawn in the middle of that. That is very dark. Yeah, very dark. On June 15th, 2008, Cindy and Kaylee went to visit Cindy's father in assisted living for Father's Day. And later that day, they went swimming in the Anthony's above ground swimming pool. That night when Casey came to pick up Kaylee, there was a massive fight between Casey and Cindy about Casey's parenting skills and where she had been living. And the way that this is told is like everyone knew that this fight was going to go down because it involved the money too, like the stealing of the money and everything. Like it was, it was almost like a whole bunch of behavior and tension was going to come to a head that night when Casey went to pick up Kaylee. So years and years of stuff leading up to this probably. Yeah. This fight ended up getting physical with Cindy putting her hands around Casey's throat until George broke it up. She like to get choked Casey. <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. I mean, I mean, Mike, I'm asking for Mike. God damn, pal. He just held up a note and told me to ask that. Give away my kinks. <laughs> I'm trying to behave for a little bit here. I made a lot of jokes at the beginning. I'm trying to be nice now. That's why you're holding up notes and making me say it. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking kayfabe, Fucko. motherfucker. Kayfabe. So after George broke up this fight, everyone kind of went their own direction in the house, and Casey and Kaylee spent the night there. The next day on Monday, June 16th, Cindy left in the morning around 7 a.m. for her job as a nurse, and George was working a night shift for his job as a security guard, so he left the house at 2.30 p.m. George would have been the last one to see Casey and Kaylee, and he said that they left the house around 12.50 p.m. so Casey could go to work and drop off Kaylee at the babysitter's apartment. I have a question. Did George have any sort of problem being a cop? Or did he just actually retire? Because he doesn't seem that old. Like where he would retire and go, you know, want to work as a security guard at a movie theater at night. Oh, well, you need a couple paychecks then, though. Like, I don't think with he, the police unions and stuff, like you don't have to work very long, right? You put in yeah, your time. You in and you 20, reti- 20 yeah. years, right? And he just didn't seem that old. I'm just asking I don't know. a question. I don't, yeah, I, don't I don't know how old he is. I just feel like that's not uncommon. And then you just go get a, a side gig just to go do something. And, uh, yeah. a, you know, you don't want to sit around. Some of those guys, you know, take, you know, people unlike me take pride in their work and want to be able to do something. <laughs> and, you know, they want to go. 
They're go-getters. They're go-getters. And yeah. You want something to do. And I mean, you go from a police officer to a gig at the movie theater. Like, come on, you're just busting up like 12 year olds breaking into a PG-13 movie or something. Working at the movie theater sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. I'd yeah. I mean, everything I read, popcorn, all that, I would get so fat <laughs> eating all that food, all that popcorn. Oh, it, I never saw anything about him being, uh, you know, any issues with okay, him. I'm just curious. He just, just retired. And from what yeah. I read too, like the place that he got his job through as a security guard, they like, it was like they gave uh, either higher rates or like a sign on bonus to retired or former police officers. So mm. it sounded like he was getting paid more to just hang out and do the security guard thing. Yeah. yeah. At 7 p.m. that night, Casey was seen on a blockbuster surveillance camera with a guy that she had been dating for about two weeks at this time named Tony Lazaro without Kaylee. Tony was a college student going to Florida University, and the two of them had met through Facebook a couple weeks before this. Like, I don't think that you would even call them boyfriend and girlfriend at this point. They weren't Facebook official yet. <laughs> I don't think the relationship status had been changed. Is that, isn't that what the, what the kids used to do? Well, that's the golden age of Facebook, right? Before all the fucking crazy boomers got on and ruined it for everyone. <laughs> yes. I, I've never had a Facebook account, even back in the day. Yeah. I mean, but this was way back before well, they found it. But this it. was my time. Like, I'm the same age as Casey. Well, that's what I mean when it was geared towards, nor you know. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Everyone was on it and... And then I think they all kind of quit. Now, yeah. what, now they're, they're chat snapping and <laughs> chat snapping. whatever those kids do. They're only fansing. Only fansing and <laughs> talk ticking. And <laughs> yeah, this is like when MySpace started to die out a bit and well, Facebook was starting to take it over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wasn't it on MySpace? And I didn't have one of those either. But like you could set it so that when someone came to like your profile page, like music played. Yeah. Ian's like, of course. He's like, yeah. I had, I had asking Alexandria playing. Get the fuck out of here with that. Was that his favorite band at the time? You got people taking that shit serious that I actually like that band. I don't even know. Were they even around back in like 2008? No, I don't think they so. might have been playing know. like the club scene. You know, now they're selling out fucking Wembley Stadium, probably. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Ian can tell you. He's got all the tour shirts. <laughs> So when the two of them were at Blockbuster on the night of June 16th, they rented Untraceable and Jumper and then went back to Tony's apartment. Some really specific details, Ian. I love the deep research on this episode so far. Got it down to yeah. what they rented. Pretty good movies, huh, Mike? I have never heard of either of those movies. <laughs> oh. Wasn't Jumper like one of those just like just straight up like action movies just like a bunch of shit blowing up it was uh whatever. hayden christensen and he was able to like transport himself so he could like transport himself to the to the vault at a bank is it the star wars and yeah and rob it yep no nope. untraceable diane lane and tom hanks son that's some guy that was murdering people like doing a pay-per-view on the internet and they were not able to trace his location oh geez Sounds like a show we'd cover. That was good. That was a good movie. So you would rank Untraceable better than Jumper? Yes. Okay. Did uh, Tony, Tony did Tony bang Casey after they watched the movies? I don't think his research <laughs> went that deep, Dave. Oh. <laughs> Curious what position they were doing and stuff. I guess it was Untraceable. Okay, go on. <laughs> he could. He might have just jumped her. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tony shared this apartment with a friend named Clint House, and both of them said that Casey didn't show that anything was wrong. She even loosened up a bit and wanted them to teach her how to smoke weed. Did you say Clint House? Because I don't believe Mike's GPS <laughs> takes him there. Doesn't exist. It's not on Google Maps. <laughs> oh, Clint House. I'm sorry. Clint House. <laughs> Well, that's interesting, though, that now she's like finally like loosened up. She wants to smoke weed. Mm. It's a little interesting. It's very interesting. Is that like to kill some anxiety? Mm. Is she finally like uh, got a weight off her chest? You would think that what we're going to get into in a bit here, weed would uh, heighten that anxiety. <laughs> Maybe some paranoia there. But yeah. mm, Sorry, I, I, I don't do weeds. He doesn't know about the weeds, Ian. You've never had a marijuana before? <laughs> oh. I've never went to Speedway and bought a marijuana. <laughs> so at this point, Casey was basically living with Tony Lazaro. And when they asked where Kaylee was, Casey said that she was with the babysitter, nicknamed Zanny the Nanny. At the same time, Casey was telling her parents that she was busy with work and Kaylee was with Zanny the Nanny. And Zanny was taking Kaylee to amusement parks like SeaWorld, um, is it Disney World or Disneyland down in Florida? World. World, yeah. yeah so Disney World. L.A. or California, yeah. Anaheim. So Zanny was taking Kay- uh, Kaylee to all these extravagant uh, amusement parks. That was nice of Zanny. At some point during this time frame, she also told her parents that her and Kaylee had taken a mini vacation to Jacksonville. Do people in Florida really vacation in Florida? <laughs> Sorry, I know it's a good question. Story, but like, geez, <laughs> like of all the places, I wouldn't even want to vacation in Florida. Let alone you live in Florida and you're also going to vacation in Florida. Where are you going to go? Drive over to Alabama? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, anywhere you leave from Florida is going to be a vacation, right? It's not Florida. Hey, woo! I like Florida, Mike. Go to fucking Asheville, North Carolina. I hear it's fantastic. It is fantastic. I would it's love, nowhere near Florida. I would love so. to go there. <laughs> but still, okay, but if you're going to vacation, go to Asheville. Asheville's a really, really fun town. Vacations don't have to be near where you live, Dave. It's the beauty of them. Yeah. Go to Asheville. Go to uh, Savannah, Georgia, I hear is nice. I was there last year. It's beautiful. Oh, Dave over here been everywhere. <laughs> Mr. Will Travel. Excuse me. <laughs> Go to Jackson, Mississippi. You been there, Dave? Go to Jackson, Mississippi. I have never been. Oh, well, see? I've been to Mississippi. I forget where it was. But. I have too. I've also been to Kentwood, Louisiana, the birthplace of Miss Britney Spears. <laughs> it was awesome. It was as glorious as you would think it would be. Did you go like to see her childhood home? I just drove through, but that's besides yeah. the point. I did not do a stalker tour. Mm. I mean, would it be considered a vacation if we, uh, let's say we went to that hotel that that has the shower beers over in Columbus for a weekend? Is that considered a vacation? I mean, I tr- certainly treat for it me, like and a I'm vacation. always up for that. <laughs> I would fucking treat it like a vacation with shower beers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. I guess, I guess it's a vacation. I guess, in my mind, I guess it's is like as long, how long you stay there. If you're there for like a long weekend, that's just like a getaway. If you're there for like yeah. like a week or two, like that's a vacation. I mean, I'm just I was just making a joke about Florida. I, don't, I wasn't ch- challenging. For the record, we should go to that hotel that has shower beers. I know. Yeah, it's really cool. First live show Gotta, we'll have at that hotel. That would be great. Cooler in every shower. That's good stuff. And they fucking probably charge you eight bucks a beer. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't care. Columbus is a fun town. Lots to do down there. Columbus is a great town. 
four days after Kaylee was last seen by George and Cindy, on June 20th, Casey participated in a hot body contest where all those infamous pictures of her in the blue dress were taken. I got to tell you, Ian, that's a blue dress. I would love to come on. I love it. I would say, yes, I did have sex with that woman. That was blue dress. Gave me an erection. It wouldn't go down. Thank you, Mr. President. Always happy to see you. You don't even have to DNA test it. That's mine. It's all over that blue dress. You did have sexual relations. I did. Over and over again. As always, thank you, Mr. President, for joining us. I shot shot ropes and ropes all over that blue dress. (laughs) Thought it was an old Western. There were so many ropes. Damn. (laughs) So this hot body contest was set up by Tony and Clint, who DJed at events like this. And they promoted them as calling these, uh, these events That's Dope Fridays. And this one was held at Fusion Ultra Lounge. Sounds awesome. In all honesty, it's there's not. some good, some good, some good <laughs> pictures from that night. Sorry, I walked all over your Borat's over there. Oh, I wasn't doing Borat. Oh. I was just saying it was that does not sound awesome. It, it was kind of a Borat. I didn't mean some to good pictures from that from that uh, in that blue dress, though. I just mean Tony and Clint. You know the guys who DJ at That's Dope Fridays. <laughs> That's dope. Yeah, sounds like douche are us. <laughs> What's that crowd? That's dope. <laughs> Fridays. <laughs> douche. Yeah, it's douche RS over there. Do you know how much like gelled hair and popped collars? This was like in the day and age where like you wear like multiple polo shirts and you'd pop the collars. Uh-huh. Like it's it's I could smell Hollister from here. <laughs> I could smell all of it with their ripped jeans and their fucking flip flops. I hate Florida so much. I fucking hate Florida. Good riddance, you miserable state. I say that there's literally those people in every state. So that's not just Florida. I apologize. It's Hollister and Abercrombie that I'm, I'm angry towards. I got you, buddy. I got you. The day after the hot body contest, dated June 21st, Casey wrote the following in her diary, quote, I completely trust my own judgment, and I knew that I made the right decision. This is the happiest I've been in a very long time. I hope that my happiness will continue to grow. Holy shit. <laughs> well, that's pretty in fucked part up. Two, in part two, we're going to talk about there's... The prosecution will say one thing. The defense will say another thing about this po- about this journal entry. But fair enough. Fair enough. Either way, she's having a really good fucking time right now. Mm-hmm. It is interesting, and this is this is one case that I do know a little bit about. It's interesting how the defense manipulates a lot of this evidence. It's very interesting, or presents uh, a lot of this evidence. I, I agree with that. Yeah. On June 23rd, Casey and Tony broke into the shed at Casey's parents' house to steal some gas cans for her car, which was a white Pontiac Sunfire. George caught her, which resulted in an argument, and Casey throwing the gas cans at George, saying, quote, here's your fucking gas cans. Poor George was just like, hey, I just want my gas cans. Can you not take those from me? Like she literally has no money that (laughs) she can't buy a gas can? They're literally they're five bucks at the early. gas station. <laughs> she has a job at Universal Studios. 
She should be rolling in dough. They see me rolling. <laughs> they hating. Also, anything you watch with with George in it, I I feel for the guy because he just he does he just sits there and just goes with the flow on everything and just you know let Cindy run the show. Mm. Obviously, letting Casey run the show too for a long time. Yeah. The trick is to let the woman think they're running the show <laughs> without oh, actually boy. running the show. Because as, as if we haven't pissed off enough people. I'm just, I'm just. Let saying. Dave tell you toots is out there. <laughs> what was it we talked about? You don't, what's the word? You don't, you don't use broads. broads, but you use dame. Dame's a fan. To me, dame would be like, you're, you're a smoke show. You're a classy dame. Yeah. Broads might be a little Broads doesn't go over well. Toots, I think, is like just kind of cute. Like, oh, hey, Toots. Well, that's how I would mean it. That's how I would mean it. What about Chick? I think we were talking about what what was more offensive, Chicks or Broads. That's right. Definitely definitely Broads. I think some people commented on that and said Broads is, yeah, absolutely not. Oh, I didn't know that. That's good to know. Because I think I use the term Chicks and someone said, is that okay to use? But I use it as like dudes and Chicks, like guys and girls. Yeah. I don't mean to be offensive. And if it is, I wouldn't use it. Of course you wouldn't. Oh, I'm woke. Ish. 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 You're waking me up. I'm in the process of getting up. <laughs> You're open to be woken. Yes. As long as there's omelets, I'm going to get up. <laughs> I'm ready to wake up. So Casey and George get in this fight and she's yelling at him saying, you know, here's your fucking gas cans. And this wasn't the only thing that she was stealing at this time. She had also stolen a checkbook from her friend, Amy Huizinga, and was writing bad checks around town. She's quite a little thief, this girl. At some point during this time frame, Casey's brother Lee was in the car with Casey and noticed that it smelled really bad. Casey told him that two squirrels had crawled up into her engine and died. Her friend Amy Huizinga also rode in the car and noticed a smell and Casey told her that she had hit a squirrel and it got stuck in the front of her car. Hey, that could happen. Can it? Yeah, I've had that happen to me before. <laughs> Lots of times, right? You just hit a squirrel and it just stuck there. <laughs> Let me tell you, I hit a wild turkey driving on a Pennsylvania turnpike one time and it made a thump and I really didn't think about it anymore. And when I got to where I was going, I checked into my hotel. And I just had valet take my car and I just, I really wasn't like, I forgot all about it. Cause it was like an hour before when I go to check out of this hotel and the valet brings my car back. There are turkey wings and legs sticking out of the grill of my car. <laughs> Everyone waiting for a car like starts gathering around up close and looking at my car. I completely forgot. And I you, hit instantly, the you instantly blame it on the valets, right? Like, <laughs> like what'd you do with my car? Ow, what the fuck? <laughs> what are you doing here? No fucking turkey when I rolled in here three days ago. <laughs> Whoa, the shit in the bowl. <laughs> that was the funniest thing. Oh, yeah, that's a turkey I hit on the way here. <laughs> Forgot all about it when I checked. Oops. <laughs> that's my bad. Here's a little extra tip. Yeah. So I, I completely understand, Casey. I know how that could happen. Okay, well, this is squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same concept, all right? <laughs> well. It's a weird story, too. It's weird to tell two different things like that, but keep the animal the same. Mm. It's like, well, it's like she was trying to lie again, but like forgot what the initial lie was. You know, when you start telling too many lies, you can't keep them all straight. Also somewhere in this time frame, Casey parked her car next to a dumpster at one of those check cashing places and just left it there because it ended up being towed on June 30th. What did she think was going to happen? That's her parents' car too, right? 
Well, I think yeah, she, it, this is exactly what she just was hoping would happen. Like, just not my problem anymore. Mm. On July 2nd, Casey went to Cast Iron Tattoos in Orlando and got a tattoo on her shoulder that said Bella Vita, which translates to beautiful life. And she later on would say that she got that tattoo for her daughter, Kaylee. All right. Things, things are not starting to look good here. Mm-mm. But got it for her daughter in a positive way. Like, mm. she makes my life beautiful. Not, not in memory of my daughter and that she makes my life beautiful. That's mm. what she said. Then on July 3rd, Cindy and Casey start taking some jabs at each other on MySpace. And these are publicly taken. Like, these are posted to their pages. Cindy posted, quote, This precious angel from above gave me strength and unconditional love. Jealousy has taken her away. Jealousy from the person who should be thankful for all the support given to her. Then on July 7th, Casey posted in response, quote, What is given can be taken away. Everybody lies. Everybody dies. Life will never be well. That's pretty fucking ominous. (laughs) Right? (laughs) The hell does that mean? I bet Ian had a good MySpace page, Mike. I would imagine so. <laughs> Seems like it fits his personality. Oh, yeah. In fact, I uh, I used the Wayback Machine I had to pull a clip of young Ian from way back in the day. You want to hear it? Yeah, I would love to. I don't know what I like more. Finding new emo music on MySpace. Or jerking my cock off to Casey Anthony. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bold statement, young Ian. <laughs> Goddamn, pal. And you shame us. <laughs> what he was doing back then. I was all about MySpace back in the day. (laughs) See? All kind of of passive-aggressive shit written on my MySpace page back in 2004, 2005. (laughs) I'm trying to think of, like, 0405 Mike, if I would have, like, been friends with 0405 Ian. I'm sure we would have been, because, like, we're both, like, low-key personalities that I think try to get along with everybody. But, like... 0405, I was like knee deep in. No, oh. I wasn't even going that route. Wasn't even. Go- I'm trying to think of like music wise what I was listening to even. Nothing good, I'm sure. Probably not. Does <laughs> anything ever good come out of 0405 musically? Like, what do we have? Like, not, not that you would listen to. Nelly, maybe? <laughs> the end of Nelly? Yeah. yeah. I mean, those were some of my favorite years of music for stuff I was listening to. There you go. I still listen to like 2003 through 2005 stuff. Maybe. I guess. I can't even remember what I was into back then. Good Deftones back then. Yeah. Those first few years of college for me were just kind of a blur. Like, I don't really, I don't even know if I was listening to music. I was just kind of going with the flow, discovering life outside of uh, my small town. The end. (laughs) I'm sure we would have gotten along. Ian and I would have started talking wrestling and MMA or something. We'd have been buds. See? Sean Michaels Michaels trunks from the latest pay-per-view. We'd have been set. Yeah. I've always liked wrestling. Nothing about that. Nothing's changed about me except except the way I dress. And what's what's true is like, it doesn't matter what kind of personality you are. Like wrestling fans, if you're a wrestling fan, you bond. Because there's just, they're few and far between. Yeah. When you find another wrestling fan, like, I mean, Dave, you've been to shows. Like, you see the kind of people that are there. Oh, yeah. It's every type of person. Nobody I would let in my house, but. Right. Except for me. <laughs> I'm kidding. And even still. I love going to wrestling shows. <laughs> God damn, pal. You just upset a lot of our listeners. I was at live wrestling shows before you guys were born. This is true. 
Were you that young going to wrestling yeah. shows? All right. Hey, We're good going for you. to old NWA shows that's downtown right. in the in the mid eighties. Well, that's when we were born. Wow. It was close. Close call. Either way, my point was wrestling fans bond. Doesn't matter what your personality. Sure. You could be a you could be an Abercrombie model and some goth kid. You're gonna get along if you can talk about fucking, you know, who Kevin Nash Diesel powerbomb that yeah, weekend. Yeah, won absolutely. the strap from. Ian, I think um, you were telling a story before we uh <laughs> derailed. <laughs> so on July fifteenth, George was at home and the mailman delivered a certified letter letting him know that the Pontiac Sunfire had been towed and it was sitting at an impound lot. The car was registered in George's name and he and Cindy paid for everything regarding this car. So this has both George and Cindy very worried because, you know, contact has been very limited with Casey and they haven't seen Kaylee in a month. It's raising more red flags for George being a retired police officer. And when he went to pick up the car, he immediately checked the trunk of the car because he's thinking... In an absolute worst case scenario, something has happened to Casey or Kaylee, like they have been hurt or something, possibly. Understandable. Sure. The guy working the impound lot was with George when he opened the trunk, and all that was in there was a bag of garbage that had a bunch of old pizza in it. But they were both hit with a terrible smell that George said was a, quote, unmistakable smell of a dead body. The guy working the impound lot was also familiar with the smell of a dead body, too, because there had been a car left there a while back that ended up having a dead body in it. And I think a lot of people that have been around dead bodies will confirm that unmistakable smell quote. Yeah, you always hear like looking into any true crime stuff or reading anything. You always hear police officers say, like, there's only one smell that smells like that. Right. Exactly. The car was also out of gas, so the guy at the impound lot gave George enough gas to get back to his house, and George drove off with the car. Once he got home, Cindy started calling around to Casey's friends and found out that Casey wasn't in Jacksonville like she had told her parents. She was actually at Tony Lazaro's apartment. Cindy drove over there and was trying to get Casey and Kaylee to go home with her. So this starts a whole argument, and Cindy is like, okay, well, if you don't want to come home, then just give me Kaylee and I'll take her and then you can just do whatever you want with your life. But Kaylee wasn't there. Casey kept telling her that she was with the babysitter. This is where we really start doubling down on some of these lies. Yeah. Like painstakingly doubling down mm-hmm. on these lies. So it's like, what's your end game here? Mm-hmm. Eventually, Casey agreed to leave with Cindy. And on the drive back, Cindy called 911. Then Cindy called 911 two more times when they got back to the house. So I think we're going to listen to all three of these calls now in a row, and then I'm going to talk about each of them after the... Sure. We'll play all three, and then we'll talk about them. Okay. Here we go. When police are sound to be recorded, I can help you. Thank you. Hello. Hi. I'm, I drove to the police department here on Pershing, but you guys are closed. I need to bring someone into the police department. Can you tell me where I can... The closest one I can come into? What? What are you trying to accomplish by bringing them to the station? I have a 22-year-old person that has um, grand theft sitting in my auto with me. So the 22-year-old person stole something? Yes. Is this a relative? Yes. Where did they steal it from? Um, my car and also money. Okay. Is this your son? Daughter. Okay. So your daughter stole money from your car 
you know, my car was stolen. We retrieved it today. We found out where it was at. We retrieved it. I've got that, and I've got affidavit for my banking account. I want to bring her in. I okay. want to press charges. Where, where did all of this happen? Oh, it, it's been happening. No, no, but I need to establish a jurisdiction is what I'm trying uh, well, to Oh, I live in, um, in Orlando. Yeah, but what address did these thefts occur at? Um, well, I guess my residence, I guess. Okay. That's actually going to be in the jurisdiction of the sheriff's office, ma'am, not okay. the Orlando Police Department. All righty. Let, let me transfer you over to the communications section for Orange County. Okay. Now, is the Orlando Sheriff's Department the one on 436, that, is that open this afternoon, this evening? Uh, the substation you're at on Pershing, if it's Orlando Police, we're, we're open primarily during the day. Uh-huh. But that's not the sheriff. That's the city police, which does not right. have jurisdiction for your address. I know there's a sheriff's department on, I mean, on 436. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to transfer you to the sheriff's communications section, and you can um, determine that. Hold on. Okay. My next thing will be down to trial thing, and we'll have a court order to get her. If that's what you want to play, we'll do it, and you'll never. Well, then you have one more day. No, I'm not giving you another day. I've given you a month. All right. Nine one one. What is the address? What's happening? Um, I have someone here that I need to um, be arrested in my home. They're so there right I now. Have a possible missing child. I have a three-year-old that's been missing for a month. A three-year-old? Yes. Have you reported that? I'm trying to do that now, ma'am. Okay. What did the person do that you need arrested? My daughter. For what? For stealing an auto and stealing money. I already spoke with someone. They said they would patch me through the Orlando um, Sheriff's Department have a deputy here. I was in the car. I was going to drive her to the police station, and no one's open. They said they would bring a deputy to my home when I got home to call them. So she stole your vehicle? Yes. When did she do that? Um, on the 30th. I just got it back from the impound. I'd like to speak to an officer. Can you have someone come out to my house? Okay. Okay, I gotta ask you these questions so I can put them in the in the call, okay? Okay. Thirtieth of June. Yes. Okay. How old is your daughter? Twenty-two. Okay. What's her name? My name. Her name. Her name. And you said you have the vehicle back? Yes. That have the um, statement. She's there right now? Yes, I got her. I finally found her after a month. She's been missing for a month. I found her, but we can't find my granddaughter. Um, five foot one and a half. Thin, medium, or heavy build? Thin. Color hair? Brown. What color uh, shirt is she wearing? White. What color pants? 
Oh, they're short. They're um, plaid. They're like pink and teal and white and black plaid. Does she have any weapons on her? No. Is she not telling you where her daughter is? Correct. Okay, we'll have a deputy out to you as soon as one's available, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Nine one one, what's your emergency? <laughs> I called a little bit ago, the deputy sheriff saying I found out my granddaughter has been taken. She has been missing for a month. Her, her mother finally admitted that she's been missing. Okay, what is what someone is, here now? Okay, what is the address that you're calling from? We're talking about a three year old little girl. My daughter finally admitted that the baby's in the store. I need to find her. Your daughter admitted that your ba the baby is where? That the babysitter took her a month ago that my daughter's been looking for. I told you my daughter was missing for a month. I just found her today, but I can't find my granddaughter. And she just admitted to me that she's been trying to find her herself. There's something wrong. I found my daughter's car today, and it smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. Okay, what is the three-year-old's name? Kaylee. C-A-Y-L-E-E. -E, Anthony. Kaylee Anthony? Yes. Okay, is she white, black, or Hispanic? She's white. How long has she been missing for? I have not seen her since the 7th of June. What is her date of birth? Um, 8... Eight, nine, two thousand. Oh God, she's three. She's two thousand five. George, Kate, listen. 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 Kate, Okay, I just can, I need, I, I understand, can you just, can you calm down for me for just a minute and just, I need to know what's going on, okay? I'm going to try and talk. I'm so worried we can Is your, is your daughter there? I'm on the phone with them. Is your daughter there? Yes. Can I speak with her? Do you mind if I speak with her? Thank you. I called them two hours ago. They haven't gotten here. They finally admitted to the baby took her a month ago. Ma'am. Ma'am. Okay, it's very serious. They want to talk to you. Answer the question. Hello? Hello? Yes. Hi. Well, can, you, can you tell me what's going on a little bit? I'm sorry? Can you tell me a little bit what's going on? My daughter's been missing for the last 31 days. And you know who has her? I know who has her. I've tried to contact her. I actually received a phone call today now from a number that is no longer in service. I did get to speak to my daughter for about a moment, about a minute. Okay, she did you guys call and report a vehicle stolen? Um, yes, my mom did. Okay, okay so there's been a vehicle stolen too? No, this was my vehicle. What vehicle was stolen? Um, it's a 98 Pontiac Sunfire. Okay, I have deputies on the way to you right now for that. So now, you're, now you're three old, okay, your three-year-old daughter is missing. Kaylee Anthony. Yes. White Kaylee female. Anthony. Yes, white female. Three years old, eight, nine, 2005 is her date of birth? Yes. And you last saw her a month ago? 31 days. It's been 31 days. 
Who has her? Do you have, do you have a name? Her name is Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez. Who is that? Babysitter? She's, she's been my nanny for about a year and a half, almost two years. Why, why are you calling now? Why didn't you call 31 days ago? I've been looking for her and have gone through other resources to try to find her, which is stupid. Okay. But can you can you give me the name of the the nanny again? Like, spell it out for me? Zenaida, Z-E-N-A-I-D-A. Last name? Fernandez. Fernandez? Hyphen Gonzalez. I think the officers are here. The officers are there? Yes. Okay, hold on a second. Don't hang up with me yet. I need you. Okay. So if you were that 911 operator, wouldn't you be completely confused as to what was going on? You're calling about a stolen car. Now there's a kid missing. Right. Yeah. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. It almost seems like the first one is like a. I'm going to teach you a lesson for the car and try and scare you oh, mm. kind of thing. Cause then you can hear like it. And there's like that side conversation going on where it, when it, um, when she's getting transferred and almost it cuts out a bit. So you can't tell the context of the whole thing completely, but it almost sounds like she's talking about Kaylee saying, well, we're just going to get a court order and I've given you 31 days. Right. And then she admits, <clears throat> yeah, she's gone. And then, there's nothing. There was nowhere else to go at that point. Yeah, you know right. I mean? <laughs> and the call turns into something completely different, or the next call rather. Yeah, I mean, I, it's very. If you were the nine one one intake caller, like that would be very confusing. At the yeah. same time, like I understand mom's panic, like yeah, from the way she went, and then she's calling like motherfuckers. I called you a while ago. You're still right. not here. What the fuck's going on? Now my daughter just admitted that she's been kidnapped. So like, I understand her panic a little bit too. Mm. Um, but then, again, if you're the 911 in, you know, taking the call, you're like, well, hold on, slow down. Yeah. You call about a Pontiac Sunfire. Now we have, you know, an Amber alert going out essentially for this kid that's missing. And, and you fucking know who it is and your daughter's there. So then, like, you know, that's why I like when Casey gets on, she's like, okay, so tell me what's going on right now. Yeah, yeah. And Casey's like, yeah, so, you know, just nonchalantly, I know who has her. But I've been trying to, you know, stupidly handle it with my own resources. Okay. Mm. And I mean, you know, that's that's also the quickest way to get police to come out to your house is when you start talking about something smelling like a dead body. Sure. When she says that's the true. car smells like a damn dead body. Right. They're going to come quick. Cindy starts point. throwing out all this information and just kind of. We'll come across that again next week. She uh, seems to have a bit of a change of tune on that. A little bit. <laughs> Yeah, that's rough, rough calls to listen to. We'll be right back. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Something keeping you from achieving your 2020 goals? Let's face it. These are certainly trying times. From being cooped up inside your home to wondering how you're going to pay next month's bills, we're all experiencing some form of stress or strain on our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is an online mental health provider that will assess your needs and match you up with your own licensed professional therapist. The best part? No waiting rooms. That's a pretty big deal if you're as impatient as I am. BetterHelp is a safe and private online environment that will have you communicating with a counselor within the first 24 hours. And once you've begun, 
You can send your counselor a message at any time, always getting a helpful response in a timely manner. You even have the ability to schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all from the comfort of your very own couch. BetterHelp is available worldwide and has a broad range of expertise available, including licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflict, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're currently recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Not happy with your counselor? No worries. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and makes it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Remember, everything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is completely confidential. And while it's not a crisis line, it is a convenient, professional, and affordable way to seek the help you deserve. Financial aid is even offered to those who qualify. Want to hear how BetterHelp assisted people just like you? Check out the testimonials posted daily on their site. Look, we here at Necronomapod want you to start living a happier life. So, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com Necro. Join over 1 million people already taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, BetterHelp.com slash Necro. So we're at 31 days that George and Cindy haven't seen Kaylee. And once police arrive at the house, they start talking to Casey about what's going on. Once she started giving her statements, she informed police who kidnapped Kaylee. It was Zanny the Nanny. However, this time Casey gave a real name for Zanny, Zanida Gonzalez. Like we heard in the 911 calls, Casey said she was using her own resources to track down Zanida and Kaylee, which we know isn't accurate. And she didn't tell anyone in her family because she was, quote, embarrassed. Casey also told the police that the last time she saw Kaylee was on June 9th, which we also know isn't accurate because both George and Cindy saw Kaylee on June 16th. What are these resources she's using? She doesn't even have money for a gas can. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> So Casey told the police that Zenaida had been her babysitter for about two years and she lived in the Sawgrass Apartments in Orlando and specifically apartment 210. She said that when she went to pick up Kaylee on June 9th, which we just said that date does not make sense, Zenaida wasn't there and wasn't answering her phone. So she went around the area to stores and stuff like that looking for them. When she couldn't find them, she went to Tony Lazaro's apartment because she felt safe there. Outside of feeling embarrassed, she said the other reason she didn't contact law enforcement was because she saw on TV and movies that when people call the police, kidnappers hurt the person that they're holding. All right, so she's being logical. Well, that's good, at least. <laughs> Casey was asked if there was anyone that she told about the fact that Kaylee was missing, and she told police that she had told a couple of her co-workers about it, specifically a woman named Juliet Lewis and a guy named Jeffrey Hopkins. So now the police want to track down these co-workers, so they asked Casey about Juliet Lewis, and Casey said that Juliet was an event planner at Universal, but when asked for her phone number, Casey kind of like was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. She doesn't work there anymore. She just recently transferred to a new job in New York. <laughs> oh, convenient. <laughs> so weird, right? 
the just the name Juliet Lewis is absolutely absurd. <laughs> I thought the same thing, but I was just gonna let it go. I was like, eh. I've interrupted enough. I'll let that one slide. I'm glad you said it. Police then moved on to Jeffrey Hopkins. So Casey told police that Jeffrey was the one who actually introduced her to Zenaida two years ago because Zenaida also babysat Jeffrey's four-year-old son Zach. As police are doing their investigation to Zenaida and getting more info from Casey, they tracked down Jeffrey Hopkins pretty quick. Not only had Jeffrey Hopkins not worked at Universal in like two years, he didn't remember or didn't know Casey, and he didn't even have kids. This fucking chick is not not only throwing this Jeffrey Hopkins guy under a bus, making up that he's still working there, and now giving him kids with a fake name. <laughs> and being like, yeah, that's my story. Call me crazy, Mike, but these lies seem to be adding up. Hmm. hmm. Also, poor Jeffrey Hopkins. He's like, what? <laughs> she said, what? <laughs> poor everyone who comes in the path of oh, Casey man. Anthony, to be completely honest. Yeah, that's wild. Can you imagine being Jeffrey Hopkins? The police show up. They're like, no. well, we were told that your kids are babysat by this. And he's like, kids, the fuck are you talking about? I got kids. Show me the paternity he's now, test. He's now thinking about every girl he's ever slept right, with. Right. Like he's got that fear going through him. <laughs> she gave him the fucking name. Zach, this non-existent kid has a name now in Casey's mind. <laughs> it might turn into a tulpa. She's going to will him into existence. Hang. <laughs> Who's gonna pay the child Jeffrey support? Hopkins kid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> then Jeffrey Hopkins has to pay child support yeah. for this tulpa that Casey Anthony created. See, Where does that leave him? The system always fucks the guys, doesn't it, Dave? <laughs> See, fair. It does not. He's like, it's a tulpa. It not. I'm not paying child support for this tulpa. I would take that one to court. I would take a tulpa to court. I guess he probably loses. It's Florida. It's true. It's no holds barred down there. There's no law. <laughs> so. I mean, police already know that this whole situation is odd. Just based off the 911 call, like you guys were talking about, it, it's a confusing case right off the bat. They're like, now they're we were reporting for a Pontiac Sunfire. Now there's a girl missing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's a smell of flesh rotting. Crazy. They're like, it was, we were just a white Sunfire. Well, and, and now there's some real red flags coming up, especially with the Jeffrey Hopkins guy, because it's like, yeah, okay, this guy doesn't have kids. So what's happening here? So Casey was asked to give police the number for Zenaida, but Casey said she didn't know it off the top of her head, but it was on her work cell phone that she left in her office at Universal Studios. Police said, well, take us to her apartment and we'll go from there. So Casey took police to the Sawgrass apartment complex and told police again that it was apartment 210. When they got to the apartment complex, police were able to look into the windows of apartment 210 and it was completely empty. And... Keep in mind, Casey described the furniture and everything in this apartment in detail, like extreme detail, said that there was a drum set in there, like gave really specific Uh details about what was in this apartment. Ian, do you know what this reminds me of? You've seen The Usual Suspects, right? Yes. Where Kaiser Sose is just sitting in the police department looking at the, the, um, on the wall behind the detective, just crafting his story based on, you know, whatever's on the wall, just making it up out of thin air like that's what this reminds me of mike's giving me the blank stare because he doesn't know what the usual suspects is never heard of her (laughs) does she dance at the strip club on tuesdays she does not oh great movie though but that's what it reminds Mm. me of just making it up as you go along the whole story pulling this from here this from here that's about what's going on yeah 
just making it up the whole as she goes. The police end up getting a hold of the apartment manager and the manager told them that there hasn't been anyone living in that apartment for about six months. And furthermore, no one by the name of Zenaida Gonzalez ever lived at that complex at, at that apartment complex ever in the mm. history of that apartment <laughs> complex. So Casey was probably misremembering the babysitter's name and address then? Is that what we're... And that, every single thing in her apartment. Yeah. Here? <laughs> She's like, on the top shelf, she had her uh, underwear and her socks. <laughs> on the second drawer were her, you know, tank tops and I don't know what girls wear, halter tops. Halter tops? Halter tops. <laughs> and the third set was yoga pants and, you know, leggings and tights and whatever else they wear. And on the fourth were her professional wrestling t-shirts. Probably had a Benoit shirt. Probably. Well, Casey probably did. <laughs> Put them in the same fucking club. Why are you to bring him into this? Ruin his good name. <laughs> At least he didn't lie about it. He was just like, fuck it, I'm killing myself. Yeah. That yeah. might be a little harsh. Either way, it's the truth. It happened. It did happen. Available in the archives, Chris Benoit episode. Police didn't immediately go to Casey with these full details because now they want her reaction to the situation. Because they're starting to suspect that Zenaida doesn't exist at all. Police told Casey that they weren't there. Like, they didn't tell her that the apartment was completely empty. They're just like, oh, they're not here. Is there anywhere else that they could be? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean the police were competent and actually (laughs) did a pretty good investigation? Damn. These police did a good job on this one. Hey, I just want to point that out. We always point out when they fuck up. This one was pretty smart. Yeah. At least up until this point. did a good job here. Good fair job. enough. Fair enough. Was this the Orlando PD? I believe so. In There's weird region. jurisdiction stuff going on yeah, there. Yeah, like yeah. we heard it. Well, you know what? One call. Kudos to them. They did a good job with that one. So they want to know if there's anywhere else that Zenaida might have taken Kaylee. And Casey told police that she knows where Zenaida's mother, Gloria, lives. Casey led police to an elderly home. And after talking with the management there, they find out that no one by the name of Gloria Gonzalez lives there or had ever lived there. Stop it. Just stop. This is out of hand now. This <laughs> is so stupid. The police took Casey back to her parents' house for the night. And when they got there, George pulled the police aside. And, you know, with him being a retired police officer, he knew something was really wrong with this whole situation. And he told them Casey had been lying up and down. And when he picked up the car, it smelled like a dead body. So this would end up resulting in the police taking the car to follow up on what George was saying. Can you imagine being the grandfather? Not only are you telling the police in, you know, no subtle words, Mm. hey, my granddaughter might be dead, but you're also telling them, I think my daughter might be involved. Like it's a hell of a spot. Yeah. God damn. I don't know what you do. I mean, he did the right thing, but how do you even pull yourself together to say something like that. I don't know. I think it's just like the inner police officer in him coming out. Maybe so. And maybe that's what it is. Like maybe he was a little bit numb to all of that. Functioning on instinct at that point. Yeah. And kind of separating himself from it emotionally, Mm. which kudos to him for being able to do it. But man, like that's, that's tough. The next morning, Casey and Cindy spent most of the morning setting up MySpace and Facebook pages to help bring awareness to finding Kaylee. And Casey also sent out a mass text to everyone in her contact list about Kaylee being missing. 
police came back to the house and wanted Casey to take them to Universal Studios so she could get that work phone that had Zenaida's <laughs> phone number on it. Do you think at this point, does Casey think, you know, maybe this isn't going over so well and the police are on to me? Or does she lack total self-awareness? And just as like, oh, yeah, they're, I think, they're buying all these things. I'm I think them. there is that plus some mental health issues going there on. There has where to be, you right? Just, you're, you, you just think you're in control of the situation. Yeah. And that's not making excuses for her. It's just like in her mind, she has this down, I think. She seems to be living in a different world here. Yeah. I think she's an extreme, extreme version or a case of narcissism. You know, where, yeah, because you know, narcissist, like one of the traits is that you don't have to work for anything or worry about anything. You just you're so important that the, you just step out and the world just everything falls in your, you know, in place for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how these lies go with her. It's like I if I just keep moving forward, if I don't admit to anything and just keep lying, keep moving forward, it'll all work out. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And, you know. I'm not it's not excusing what happened here or her actions, but it's just you can't you I don't know. I don't know how you can be going through this thinking like just straight laced and clear mind thinking, oh, I got this under control. Like something else has to be going on. I don't know, man. I don't have a good answer. She's just like shaggy. Wasn't me. (laughs) Wasn't me. (laughs) Caught me banging on the whatever. Wasn't me. (laughs) We're throwing back to all kinds of old <laughs> pop tunes this what episode. Mean? On the way to Universal, Casey told investigators that it just popped into her mind that the phone was actually stolen, but she reported it to loss prevention. <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot. Still- I forgot. <laughs> Someone stole my phone. That's right. See what ha- happened. <laughs> this story's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> So, but the officers are like, no, we, we still want you to take us to, to Universal. I Hey, I'm I, go I love Universal. I'd want to go there, too. No, I'm saying I'm a, right now. Big fan of these cops. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Be like, oh, oh, OK. Take us there. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. We'll walk with yeah, you. Yeah, they're calling her on it. That's absolutely good police work, in my opinion. Let her walk herself into that that hole. Can't wait to see how she gets her out, gets herself out of it. When they got in the building. They went to the security area to be let in because Casey didn't have her ID badge on her. So the guy at the desk is going through the employee list and he's not seeing Casey Anthony. And Casey tells him, like, I, I do work here. Keep looking. Look again. <laughs> eventually, she's like giving him a stink eye, like, look again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you really need to look again. <laughs> She's making the blow the blow job thing with yeah, her right. with her hand and her mouth. Well, like the kid's like eighteen years old. He's like, oh fuck yeah. Okay, you're in. If you let me in, I'll tell you where my office is. Where. She happened to have a corn dog from like a local concession stand. And I mean, from the way this is told, it's like the guard is eventually like, okay, go because there's police talking about a missing child. Right. I guess just let this woman through. How do you not? Like when there's police standing there, of course, just let them in. Like, you know, this is some teenage right. kid or some young, you know, Disney employs people from all over the world, really, for the other parks and just some young person mm-hmm. trying to make a living. You're not going to, you know, put your foot down against police doing a, a criminal investigation for a missing kid. Casey takes police up a couple floors and is walking down the hallway saying hi to people and waving, tell them 
telling the police that her office is coming up pretty soon. Just walking through the place like she's been there a million times. <laughs> hey, Carol, Eventually- how's your day going? <laughs> My name's Bonnie, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Casey got to a dead end, stood there for a second, and then turned around and admitted to the police that she didn't actually work at Universal. (laughs) What? (laughs) Wait a minute. Like, what was the end game here? It's so crazy. That's why I'm saying, like, something had to be going on mentally for this this woman that she just thought she was in control of the situation. I think Ian explained it perfectly. I, I agree. Do we know what happened? Did she get fired because her beauty was too distracted, too distracting to like park visitors? Dude, she ever actually work at Disney? <laughs> I think she did at some point, right? <laughs> I don't she know. Did. Universal, oh, not did. Disney. What, whatever it was. Did she actually work for Universal? She I mean, briefly did, but she either quit or was let go of two years prior to this. She hadn't actually worked there for two years. Yeah. Interesting. All the Midwestern dads couldn't take her. They got too excited when they got to Universal. Like, (laughs) this beauty. So pretty much the entire time Kaylee was alive, she had not worked at Universal for Universal. Mm. Right. So, I mean, think about the level of that lie. For two years, she's going to and from home for eight hours a day, telling everybody in her life that she worked for Universal. She's showing her parents these fake emails, making up fake email addresses for people like she's doing work. It's completely fucking crazy. It's yeah, it's mm. not a, like not that, a stable it's a, human. That being. Lie, it's not a stable human being. That lie is harder than getting an actual job. Yes. <laughs> you got to work at that. Like, what's the point right. of all this? Get a job. Bitch. You can literally get a job anywhere. God damn. Like, you you're can a pop- cute girl. You, you can, can go do all kinds of stuff. What are you insinuating, Dave? I mean, maybe the poll could have been her friend, Mike. Well, maybe your poll could have been her friend, Mike. How do you know it hasn't been? <laughs> I mean, could even working at Universal have been this difficult? Like, what do you, you work in a concession stand? You're pushing go on a merry-go-round? Like, keep the job. Go work at the, the Leaky Cauldron, my favorite restaurant at Universal. Harry Potter themed. Of course. Probably. Fantastic. Yeah. Right next to the probably Pirates of the Caribbean themed restaurant. It's all the same fucking gimmick. That is uh, not correct. For the all. record, I did not receive any complaints about that comment last week. And what was your comment? Remember when I when I compared Harry Potter and Pirates of the Caribbean as all the same fucking genre? Absolutely fucking outrageous. Nobody got not upset about it. Not even remotely accurate. Yeah. I know because Johnny Depp's better looking than Hermione, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Captain Jack Sparrow's better than Hermione. Everyone knows that. I don't think that's called for, Mike. What did you call? You called Harry Potter highbrow entertainment. Absolutely. <laughs> exact quote. Highbrow entertainment. Pirates of the Caribbean viewers couldn't even follow along and uh, understand the storyline of Harry Potter. Oh, goddamn. Even though they're always shown back to back on like TNT every fucking Saturday afternoon. I'm not sure what that has to do with anything. I'm just saying it's the same category. I uh, 100% disagree. <laughs> How do we even get on that? Oh, you're talking about the leaky cauldron, Mike. The leaky cauldron. What do they serve there? Goblets of mutt. Just your the standard British fare. Mm-hmm. And you can go get a picture like next to the leaky cauldron. I think they have dry ice in it. It's pretty neat. Okay. Did you get what? Well, they have meat pies. You get a meat pie. You get a there? meat pie. Yeah. Some fish and chips. I think I had fish and chips when I was there last time. I would get fish and chips. That's good. Fish and chips are always bomb. Yeah, for sure. Highly recommend. Yeah. Oh. All right. Dave and I have found common ground, fish and chips. <laughs> you may move on, Ian. 
So, I mean, and we alluded to it when we were talking about all that stuff with Universal. Like, the police knew full well. They, they had cleared that overnight, you know, early that morning that they knew she didn't work there. They wanted to see what she did. And Good for them. Took it, That's she awesome. took it right up to a hit in a dead end <laughs> down a hallway. The police had enough to arrest Casey on child neglect. So they went forward with that, thinking that that will scare her into telling them the truth about something. Some aspect of the truth would come out with this, but she didn't budge. She kept telling them that Zenaida Gonzalez was real and she had kidnapped Kaylee. And in interviews, you can watch police telling her, like, we know you've lied about everything. You haven't told us the truth once about any of this. Like if, if if an accident happened or something, we can move forward with that. But we need to know what happened to your daughter or where she is. And it's no, nothing. Zanny the nanny took her. It's crazy. You can listen to it. She's like, nope, I have no idea. <laughs> nope. I don't know. She doesn't budge at all. Nope. Like there's no need for her to have a lawyer. You know, you always recommend, you know, you always say, yeah, like, yeah. don't talk to the police without a lawyer. I don't think anything would have broken her. I like mean, any interrogation and they were also, would break her. Yeah. They were also giving her an out to be like, if there was an accident, tell us. Sure. So maybe there wasn't an accident. And she's just like, no, I'm not going to fucking tell you worst case scenario. You know, whatever her MySpace post said, I'm living my best life, whatever. <laughs> hashtag. Right. I mean, strictly speaking, from a legal standpoint, she did the right thing and told the cops nothing without the presence of her attorney there. Well, she told them a lot of things, just more than true things. You know, (laughs) in this specific interview here we're talking about, but she's like, nope, nope, I don't know, nope. (laughs) She should have just asked for a lawyer from the get-go, right? I mean, like, as soon as as your mom's calling 911, you better be on your own phone. Yes. You know, if you didn't leave it at your universal office (laughs) (laughs) and calling your own attorney. Yeah. Especially because you know where this is going. Like, I think she does. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel as if you probably. Well, maybe she didn't, though. Maybe she re- like we said, maybe she really thought she had this this handled. She clearly thought she had it handled. Casey's parents got a hold of a lawyer named Jose Baez, and he went to meet with Casey about the case and to get a bond hearing set up. Jose wasn't made aware of the full details on the case. So when he heard that there was no bond allowed for Casey, he was really confused. But he quickly realized that. This is looking like foul play involved with a two-year-old girl. You know, I thought that, that documentary, Ian, that we watched was confusing when they started talking about Jose Baez. Because at one point they said, you know, if you're facing uh, trouble, legal trouble like this, Jose Baez is the attorney you want on your side. But then when they started to get into stuff later, they're like, yeah, Jose Baez has never tried a big case like this before. Well, like, which one is it? Yeah, are you no. telling me, Dave, that attorneys are honest? I, I mean, people like... Uh, like court reporter kind of thing, you know, grading. Oh, they were saying commenting like, on, want, on the story. You want yeah. Jose Baez on your side, but like this case essentially made this guy. But gotcha. I just thought it was confusing I how, you were, how they framed the, this guy's experience. I stuff. thought you were talking about like his like commercials. Like no, no, no. I'm Tim Misney, and I'll make them pay. <laughs> no one's he, gonna get uh, that. That's a local attorney that right. we have here in Cleveland, <laughs> and his r- commercials are ridiculous. <laughs> but the guy is, you know. He's a baller, though. I'm calling him if I ever get in trouble. Absolutely, Because according to him, he'll make the people that are <laughs> prosecuting me pay. That's what I want to hear. I think he's yeah, just I, a I would say Baez was pretty oh, yeah. much an, like a nobody lawyer at the time. Yeah, exactly. This made his whole career from what I've seen. Yeah, and it's not like well, he's, in all- uh, it's not like he's a, some legal mastermind either. 
we're going to see in part two, he basically Casey Anthony's his way through the trial and just says things without having evidence for them. <laughs> and I it like just how happens that's a thing to work. You Casey Anthony your way through that. And it just means just He's like, oh, that's, that's stuck to the wall. Oh, let's go with that. <laughs> that's I feel like that is the defense. Like, let's throw all this shit at the wall. And then the few parts that stick. Let's run with that. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. So Jose Baez officially became Casey's lawyer on July 17th, 2008, and started getting the full details of all the lies that Casey had been telling and George's suspicions about the smell in the trunk of the car. On July 22nd, Casey had a bond hearing and Baez ended up getting her bond reduced from no bond being allowed to having a $500,000 bond. Even though Jose Baez was trying to defend Casey, she still wouldn't give up the whole Zenaida Gonzalez story. Before her bond hearing, she told Baez that a fellow inmate flashed the number 55 with her hands and mouthed timer 55 to Casey. Casey told Baez that this was a signal that Zenaida knew what was going on in the case and that timer 55 was part of the instructions Zenaida gave Casey regarding getting Kaylee back. According to Casey, Part of these instructions were that she was to change her MySpace and Facebook passwords to Timer 55 and that Casey would get Kaylee back on Kaylee's birthday, August 9th. Like, um, there would be some type of instructions left in Casey's social media accounts. Like, Zanaya would be able to log in and leave these instructions. Mm. What's really odd about this whole new story is that, and it kind of takes it to a whole new level, is that Casey, in reality, did change her MySpace and Facebook passwords to Timer 55. This is really hard to grasp. Like, it's really, (laughs) it's off the rail bizarre here. Yeah. It's almost comical if it wasn't such a serious thing. Like, this is like, and I understand we're talking about a real life thing where a beautiful little girl was tragically murdered. This is almost like if the Three Stooges were put on trial. Like, how would they try to get themselves out of it? Yeah, right. This is exactly it. It's like a complete mental break from reality. Yeah. Baez would go on to say in his book that he wrote that this is when he knew something was really off about Casey. Like Either she is just very, very mentally ill, like completely delusional, or is one of the most narcissistic, compulsive liars in the world. Nope. And he, he didn't back away, though, from the case. Decided, oh, I'm going to keep this payday and uh, the publicity. It's making his bones here. And he's like, at this point, he's like, he's pretty much like, you have to stop. Everyone, including me, knows that Zenaida Gonzalez is not a real person and didn't kidnap Kaylee. Like, I want to help you and be your defense lawyer, but you need to tell me where your daughter is and what happened here so we can move forward. Also, during this time frame, by some very... Weird coincidence, police were able to track down a 38-year-old woman named Zenaida Gonzalez living in Orlando, which is very weird because the last time there was a census taken, I think it was, there was 22 Zenaida Gonzalez's living in the United States, and one of them happened to be in Orlando. She probably just came across her name somewhere locally and was like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good babysitter name. We'll call her Zanny the Nanny. You have no idea where this name comes from. We're going to get into it in part two. It's it's, it's mind blowing. Well, I imagine the other lies. <laughs> well, I do know where, it, but I'm saying like maybe she's like, oh, that's a good name that would map back to yeah. the Zanny thing. Yeah, that, oh, man, that'd be putting a lot of thought well, into it, though. 
I'm grasping at straws here, man. No, this, I understand. This whole thing but makes then I, no like, sense I'm just trying to think, like, imagine now you're Zenaida Gonzalez living your life. Yeah, right. Just like, hey, I'm here just doing my thing. Tell us where the kid is. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what? <laughs> I did what? With who? This fucking bitch. Yeah. Exactly. How dare she? No. Yep. Police interviewed Zenaida, confirmed that... Zenaida didn't know Casey Anthony, didn't know anyone who knew Casey Anthony, didn't know Kaylee, and never worked as a babysitter. Well, okay. <laughs> By this time, the media had jumped all over the story. We talked about this back on uh, one of our bonus shows, like one of the news ones where we make fun of Florida people and all those news stories. But Florida has a law called the Sunshine Law, which makes law enforcement information public knowledge. More so than other states, like even if it's something police want to keep confidential, it has to be out there to the news media. So everything was out there with this case, including the weird 911 calls and all of Casey's lies. Like as soon as it's found out that Zenaida Gonzalez is not real and all this stuff, it's all in the media immediately. So I have a question about that, Ian. When we listen to the 911 calls, it uh, like dubbed out Casey Anthony's name. Do you know why that was? Was that just maybe from like the source we got it from? Because when like when when Cindy says Casey Anthony's name, it was like like just silenced out. Yeah. No, but Kaylee's name was in there, but Casey's wasn't, which I thought was odd. I, I don't know why they why that was blocked out. I don't know if that was just the the file that I found. Yeah. But their yeah their home address was blocked out. Um. So did, was it blocked out on the call? I didn't. I didn't notice that. Was the the address blocked out? I just noticed Casey's name was blocked out. I, I didn't hear the home address. Yeah, yeah, the home address. Like she starts to say four. I think it's like two or four. She starts saying, and then it like blurs yeah. a little bit. Gotcha. So it might have just been the files we found then, because 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 typically my point was that would all just have been public, their yeah. names and everything. Coincidentally, we're doing a bonus show on nine one one calls next week. Really looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. With this blowing up into a new John Bonet style case, on August 21st, 2008, private investigator Leonard Padilla paid for Casey's $500,000 bond and she was sent home. Padilla said he was doing this to try and get to the bottom of where Kaylee was, but in all reality, he was looking for a reality TV show. He had made a deal with Jose Baez that people from his team were allowed to stay at the Anthony house and watch over Casey. And they were they were putting together like a trailer type thing to to go and pitch to the TV mm. that that five hundred thousand dollar bond. That's a that's an investment. That's not, oh, of that's course. not trying to yeah, figure right. out whether this little girl is right. With word of Casey being released on bail, it caused absolute chaos in front of the Anthony house. And people started protesting outside like Casey was already found guilty, like beating on the front door, demanding that the Anthony's come outside. It's complete craziness. There's videos of George getting into physical confrontations with people, trying to get them off his property. Cindy's out there with a hammer threatening to talk. <laughs> They're crazy. These videos, yeah. George is fist fighting with people on his front lawn. I know. Like, not only is this a case of a missing child, possibly a murdered child, not only are these people living in a residential area, this is Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's fucking no rules. There's not. Well, I was going to say, why didn't George just shoot everyone? I mean, it's Florida. You can shoot people for giving you the stink guy down there. You can shoot him for anything. 
Is it stand like, your ground? I'd like to stand your ground. I'd like to think they gave me a bad stare, so I shot him. Because uh, oh, up okay. to this point, I like to think that George was the most upstanding person we've discussed yet tonight. Right. And he's just like, no, I'm not going to shoot you. I'll fist a cuff. We'll throw hands, <laughs> motherfucker. But, man. It's wild. And I found myself getting really, actually getting more irritated with the people that were protesting in front of the house than I actually got with any of the stuff that I was reading about Casey Anthony. And wow. Look at this. Like, Breakthrough for me. people, man, something has to be really off. If you're going to go and start beating on the front door of someone, someone's house like that and protesting outside of their house. I would fuck someone up if that was yeah, like, be- get a beating on my life. front door. They're, they would have a problem. Yeah, like yeah. people with, with people that get into these these cases, like John Bonet in this one, that get so committed to it. It's like something's off with you just as much as there's something off with Casey Anthony. Yeah, yeah I agree. It, and I understand as angry or as passionate as you might be about it, like let the justice system play out at least. Like I understand you might not trust it. It might not always work out as we'll probably talk about next week, but let it do it. Let it do its job. You're not going to change anything by beating on the door of a house. You're going to make yourself look foolish. You're going to cause more problems. Yeah. You're going to cause more fights, more violence, more agitation. It's just, I don't know. It's unnecessary. Go have a candlelight vigil for the, the girl that's missing. You don't need to go fucking beat on people's houses and, and, you know, harass people and start fist fights. Yeah, like there's a video of someone out there reading this big old script off of like this whole. Yeah like closing like almost like victim impact statements yeah, outside right. the house it's like get the fuck out of here if i was george i'd be doing the same thing i'd be out there trying to beat someone's ass like mm-hmm. get the fuck out of my get off my front yard that's true and you know because in the end too n- no matter what you think about the end result of this case if you're george that's still your daughter and your granddaughter and your granddaughter yeah. who is missing or you know whatever they know up to this point it's the same thing. You know, with he's all defending these it. You got to defend your house. And like, that's, you know, George is a police officer. Seems like a good, good citizen, good human being. Now you're fucking harassing him mm-hmm. showing up like that doesn't help anything. You're not you're not really helping. Doesn't. You're not helping bring justice for Kaylee by doing stuff like this. It, it's the it's the same thing with all these cases. John Benet's face is plastered all over all over uh, tabloids and stuff and people get so fired up over that and harass the Ramseys harass Burke over thinking that he did it yeah it's people act extremely irrational didn't one of, of the in these um, kind of cases wasn't one of the suspects for John Bonet like he collected all of those photos from like all of the uh the tabloids and stuff and was like outside the home protesting wasn't that one of the suspects there was that weird guy that said that he did it. He admitted to it and he like saved all that stuff. But maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Just, yeah. He ended up just trying to get attention. Clearly it was Santa Bill. Everyone agrees on that unanimously. I think worldwide it's unanimous. It was Santa Bill. You know, we changed our minds to that obviously because <laughs> it was not Burke. <laughs> because this bounty hunter guy had his team in the house. We have some reports to go off of on Casey's behavior during this time. First, when she got home from prison, that that first thing she said was, quote, what's for dinner? Prison food sucks. Nothing about Kaylee. Nothing about let's start working to find her because I'm being blamed for this. Psychopath. Psychopath. What are we eating? (laughs) 
also she seemed to very much be enjoying all the attention and chaos that was going on outside a female team member reported that one night she heard casey crying and thought like wow she's finally showing some form of emotion but when she went to check on casey she realized that casey was laughing and casey called this woman over to her computer to show her a message she got on facebook from a guy telling her how hot she is that was mike he messaged her i actually <laughs> have it the only time i ever took notes in the history of the show and my notes were and his name was dave namapod <laughs> <laughs> dave it's actually there in my notes i actually wrote it down he did write it down the first wrote time down the same thing that's weird in the history of the show i took notes <laughs> That's weird. You guys thought the same thing about Casey Anthony. <laughs> and and blame each other. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, I mean, you know, we just gave some examples that there's no sense of urgency from Casey at all in searching for Kaylee. But people in the community were out looking. Um, and Cindy put a call into Texas, Texas EquiSearch, which we've talked about before in cases like this. They're probably the most extensive civilian search team out there. They did five separate searches, and those involved 4,200 volunteers, but there was no sign of Kaylee. Did we recently discuss them on something? What was it? Um, Lauren Spear. They were involved in yes. that. Yes. Any high-profile case, a lot of time, Texas EquiSearch is involved. They have, you know, their resources, especially with, like, search dogs and stuff, are pretty, you know... They're the they're mo- top they're the, of the line. They're the MUFON of missing persons. There you go. They're like, yeah. we're going to show up on your doorstep. I'm kidding. They probably do very good work. Like, I don't mean to make them sound like, not that MUFON's lunatics, but probably. <laughs> I mean, they're not lunatics like NICAP. I just, I'm a MUFON. Oh, those guys, NICAP. I'm a, I'm oh, a MUFON no. guy through and through. I'm not a NICAP guy. <laughs> Eventually, police charged Casey with the stolen checks that she had been writing in her friend Amy's name. So her bond was revoked. Then on September 5th, 2008, Casey's parents came up with the money to pay her bond and to get her back out of jail. Couldn't find how much money they paid for that. Uh, I would assume some form of a deal was worked out. It was nowhere near the previous bond, but mm. they got her out. George gave up Ten- his pension. No big deal. Oh, yeah. Man. Did we Ten talk about that lit- video where her parents visited her in prison and her mom said that people are saying Kaylee's dead and can't think and uh Casey goes, Oh, surprise, surprise. Like that's the weirdest yeah. fucking video. We just, did not talk about she's that. She's just not. Jesus. She's just yeah, not she there. Like I don't know. Eyes. Yeah, she rolls her eyes. Oh, surprise, surprise. Like talking about her dead kid. And, and that's this. That's like when I was talking about like the 911 call got released to the public. Like that, those videos got released to the public too in the media yeah. immediately. So that's like fuel. Like when people, you know, you already have these people. There's always going to be these irrational people with these these type of cases. But then you add in seeing a video like that, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, it's just fueling this whole media storm. It's like how, you got Nancy Grace on there screaming about it. Yeah. You know, top mom. Why you got to bring her up video again? Of this. Why you got to bring her up again? Casey Anthony. You couldn't go with like Grace Anderson Cooper hand hand. or something? <laughs> Come on. Casey Anthony kind of made... Nancy Grace as popular as she is, I think. Well, wait a minute. Chris Benoit was a year before this pally, and that's how I don't she know. got her. I don't know if Nancy was getting the ratings that she was getting. Uh, maybe Casey. so. We're maybe. We're going to talk about that next week. But those of us in the wrestling community, we knew about Nancy Grace as of June 2007. She's not great. Mike is no. not a fan of Nancy Grace. No. She's just, I don't know. 
I would not look to her for facts about cases and information. That's fair. She has two first names. Like, who has two first names? <laughs> Stupid. She might as well be called Karen Grace. <laughs> that haircut. Seriously. It's a Karen cut. Come on. Fuck. She's like the prototype of a Karen. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, if you, yeah, that's, I mean, that's it. You gave Karen a t- talk show, and there she is. Is she even on TV anymore? Just pretend she's not. What she's like on the internet, I think she's now. on our podcast she's network. Got, I think she's got her own pot. Our <laughs> podcast network. I quit. Not ours. I no. quit. I'll walk out right I've now. I've already made it. I've said it numerous times. I won't feel like I've made it with this podcast until we're beating Nancy Grace on the charts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my one and only. Amen, goal brother. And we're actually speaking truths. <laughs> We might say things that are distasteful or, you know, not great jokes, but at least we tell the truth on this show. Mm -hmm. She fucking manipulates stories to make it fit her agenda. See, you got me all fired up again. Like, you gotta move on. Move on. I was about to say some bad things and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I've said enough things to get our people pissed off tonight. So after her parents got her got her out of jail a second time 10 days later the police came up with more fraud and identity theft charges these ones were relating to uh, stealing the money out of her grandfather's bank account so casey turned herself in on september 15th at the beginning of this investigation we talked about george pulling the police aside and telling them about the smell in the car and that they really needed to look further because casey wasn't telling the truth about anything while all of this has been going on, what we've talked about with the police and all this investigation, police had sent out samples from the car to be tested. Police started working on the car pretty much as soon as George told them about the smell. And multiple officers confirmed that the car smelled like a dead body. And there's the, that one interview I saw with the police officer. He said when they, as soon as they just walked into the garage area where the car was being stored, they were hit with a dead body smell. There was also a stain in the trunk on the fabric that would be consistent with the size of a small child. To 100% confirm this, police had a cadaver dog come in and the dog signaled at the trunk of the car. A sample of the fabric where the stain was was sent out to a guy named Dr. Arpod Voss, who came up with a method in detecting human decomposition gases as well as other chemicals that can be pulled from air samples coming off of something like fabric. You know, we're going to get a lot more into Dr. Voss and his methods in part two. But he found that there were high amounts of human decomposition on this fabric as well as high amounts of chloroform. Police also sent out hairs they found in the trunk to the FBI crime lab to be tested. These hairs were found to be nine inches long and untreated, meaning they had never been dyed or anything like that. They were able to test the mitochondrial DNA from these hairs, which narrowed it down to these hairs only being able to have come from Cindy, Casey, or Kaylee. But with the length and the fact that they were untreated, pointed directly to these being Kaylee's. They also had a brown band on the root of the hair that forensic scientists call a death band. This brown band forms on a hair as the body decomposes. That might be the most damning piece of evidence in this whole story. I mean, we were texting about it last night or the night before. I'm like, this. we're going to end part one on this being a seeming like a pretty clear cut case that the, we shouldn't need a two-parter yeah, on it's this. It's hard to get around that, that, <laughs> that hair. 
it's, it's actually like it's comical now like the fact that we're gonna end this story tonight and go to a part two because there's that much more to discuss yeah we know we joke about well, we'll be back next week no that's fucking happening this time <laughs> you're gonna get that in about three paragraphs here folks i mean you got a a, a dead little a hair from a dead little girl pretty positive proof from the fbi and we still have a part two to get yeah. to found in the back of her mom's trunk <laughs> right. no less mm-hmm. even though kaylee hadn't been found this evidence was enough to get a grand jury to indict casey of first degree murder aggravated child abuse aggravated manslaughter of a child and four counts of providing false information to police on october 14th 2008 on october 21st the charges of child neglect were dropped against casey according to the state's attorney's office because quote the evidence proved the child was deceased the state sought an indictment on the legally appropriate charges on october 28th casey was arraigned and pleaded not guilty to all charges before we wrap up tonight let's introduce one more character to this story mike the fapper (laughs) oh sorry spoiler alert i've been here all along (laughs) a guy named roy cronk Roy Cronk was a meter man who used a wooded area near the Anthony home as a spot to take a piss when he was out working. During one of these piss breaks, Cronk noticed an odd looking garbage bag out in the woods. He called it into the tip line on August 11th, 12th, and 13th, but no one followed up with him. Damn. Four months later, on December 11th, 2008, Cronk was working in the area again and stopped in these woods to take a piss. He saw that garbage bag was still in the same spot, but now it looked like it had been torn open by an animal. He walked closer to get a better look, and he noticed something small and white laying next to the bag. Clearly finding a skull, Roy Cronk, for whatever reason, decided to take a stick and pick up the skull by the eye socket, dropped it, and called it into the police. Just going to throw a pro tip out here because we're going to get into this a lot in part two. If you find a human skull in the, in the woods... Just not touch it and just call the police. Just, should, we should just leave it there, not disturb yeah. it at all. Okay, yeah. but I also okay. understand this guy's thing. Like, <laughs> you almost don't think it's real. Probably, like you're you're in the woods, like you see this thing, yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, like the guy looks like he might be a Dungeons and Dragons player or something. So he was probably just in <laughs> oh, fantasy so I'm, I'm world out this, there. I'm not. I don't know what this guy looks like. I'm just thinking, like, if I saw that. And I can't put myself in that situation. May you know, yeah. I don't know. I would almost think like, oh, this is like a fucking they threw away Halloween decorations or this is whatever. I, I, I don't blame him fully. I probably still wouldn't do it, but I wouldn't blame him fully for like making sure like, oh, is this a real deal? And then he picks it up and he's like with a stick like, oh, this is a fucking heavy skull. Yeah. This might be real. I get it. Like he's just an average guy who was thrown into a situation a dude. like you, you can't fault him for that. I don't, I, in my opinion. I'm with you. Still not the best choice. No. And probably if you suspect something, foul play, go ahead and just call it in. Whatever. You can't, well, you know. Heat of the moment. Yeah. He thought he might get extra damage points. So if he picked it up, so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Is that how Dungeons and Dragons works? I don't know. <laughs> Things, I think so. Oh, you're talking over there like damage my, points. I understand. You're throwing out terms like damage points. I don't even know what the fuck that is. <laughs> Settle down over there, Hermione. <laughs> On December 19th, 2008, the medical examiner confirmed that the remains were those of Kaylee Anthony. 
the death was ruled a homicide and the cause of death was listed as undetermined. And that is where we will pick back up on part two. Mm. Found right behind the house in the woods. Not very far away. Well, it's a sad ending or sad middle part of the story. Yeah, that's not a good story. It's not. Well, so that was part one. We made it through and probably only lost uh, half our listeners, Dave. (laughs) Not so bad. Lost all your semen and half your listeners, right, Mike? Hey, what's weird is that I felt as if the drunker we got, the more appropriate we got kind of with this Mm. story. Like we started to like realize like, oh, maybe this uh, this girl is not so innocent after all. No, I I agree. Like I said, that's why I didn't want to do the show. The bit's over now. Now we got to come down on this bitch. Hey, we still got one more week to go. <laughs> Anyways, uh, part one. Very interesting. Ian, you got any final thoughts on this one? I think it's like like you guys just said. I mean, the beginning, it's it's fun to you can make fun of her. The lies a lot. It's kind of it's almost it's mind blowing to the point where it's like you almost it's have comical. to it's laugh comical. at the lies. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it, it's you can't even imagine that somebody would be lying like that. Because what, what's the end game? Where are you going to go? Right. That's what you know. Like Ian said, the narcissism's there. Yeah, the mental yeah, health. Like yeah. you think this is this is all the plan. I think that's right. And, and you then you're flaunt, you're flaunting over people, oogling over you online. Like when that when right. you know homie says that she's hot and she's like <laughs> giggling in her, her room and telling like the uh, private investigators like, Oh, come look at this. So fucking bizarre. Meanwhile, right. my daughter's dead, but Hey, this guy is wanking to me. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. Like, you know, we said that, that hair, you know, it's not an exact match, but it, there's no one else that hair could have belonged to. And it has the decomposition band on it. Everything that yeah. we talked about in that, that hair, you would think puts the nail in this, that this would be a pretty clear cut case, but we're going to see next week that Jose Baez picks this whole thing apart. Goddamn. Mm-mm-mm. Dave, your final thoughts on this one. I'm going to reserve judgment until next week on my final thoughts. Okay. Fair. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, no, I believe it's Forrest Gump. And he goes, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Jen A. Fob was going I somewhere. I thought about that the other day. Why? The greatest uh, movie of all time and that you and Dave no, shit on constantly? Dave's bit where he said it was uh, an imbecile doing impossible things or whatever. <laughs> that's the whole, that's the premise of the movie. What do you mean? I don't even know why. It popped in my head when he said that. For whatever reason, I was thinking about editing the podcast. I don't. I don't know how that running popped a, in, and I just laughed to myself. How was running a kick return back an impossible thing? How's being a war hero an impossible thing? How's being a ping pong champion an impossible thing? It's not. Really? It's not. <laughs> it's not impossible stop. things. It's just not impossible. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You're a hater. Guys, gotta get. That. I don't want to discuss Forrest Gump any longer. <laughs> I've already said all Dave I Dave to, took some shit I've, over the I've, I've said all I have to say about Forrest Gump. <laughs> Anyways, we have some shout outs to get to. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. We have some new patrons. Thank you very much to Anna Walters, Morgan, Bo Vandergrift, Megan Lindall, Megan Lindell, Autumn Huddy, Paul Brownson. Abby Peterson, Megan Moody, Jordan Post, Isaiah Bennett, Catherine Gresco, Sharon, 
Mike Dalton, Tristan Mills, Anne-Marie Lacatsi, Diane Fain, Tiffany Arbogast, Brittany, Walder Srand, Mike Ronsifer, Matthew Olmstead, Lauren, Shitfaced But Good, Frankie, Kristen Johnson, Tanya Gunnels, Sarah Pierce, Dr. Yvette Cardelli, Kevin Ikes, Christina B., Haley, Mike's Dick, Amy Porter. <laughs> hey, look, I just read the names. Andrea York, Kaylee Romaine, Mira, Rhonda Cumbo, Andy, Mark Powers, Kirsty Cavanaugh, Melanie Crump, Gil Lindsley, Marin, Kane Rawlinson, Giovanna, Jacob Brantley, Sarah Snyder, Tyler Bryan, Billy Hyde, Liz, Erica Wright, Andrew Butchu, Butcher, Samuel Sutherland, Sherbert247, Kayla, Victoria Roberts, and Isla Cameron. Also have a couple names to make up. I forgot to get to at the beginning. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, these are re-shoutouts because I fucked up the names. To Russ Atilio Manzani and Taryn Blake Taryn Blake Doucet, and that was per request of her boyfriend. So thank you very much to uh, both of you guys. I apologize for fucking up your names. Shit happens, but thank you. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. We are also at Twitter.com, Facebook.com, YouTube.com, and Instagram.com, all at Necronomapod. Those are our socials. Thank you very much. I got my shit out of the way. Let's go to Ian for his uh, last shout outs. For iTunes, I have one for Ugly Rar, Rissy Flow, Mickey Pearl, Crystal B, Solar Sailor, Kafreen, Bay the Fay, Stillness, and Rodney Mullins Doppelganger. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. All right, Dave, what do you got for us? So if Rodney, what's the guy's name, Ian? Uh, Rodney Mullins Doppelganger. So if his doppelganger is a patron, does that mean that Rodney's going to be a patron someday too? Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. I have a couple entries in the bad review corner this week. Damn. We got a one star here titled Not For Me. Interesting topics, but ruined by constant inane banter. Look, maybe insane banter, but I don't think it's inane banter, pal. Some, some people just like NPR. They just want to hear their fucking stories <sighs> with no yeah. uh, interruption. They go on. I can see the appeal for some people, but not for me, unfortunately. Okay. It's fair. Is that the whole review? That's it. All right. I mean, how about a two star? Like, that's an okay review. It's really got to be a one, like, though. I appreciate her leaving a review that's fair. But come on. That's joining you from Great Britain. Thank you, joining you. Alanis Morissette fan, I bet. I appreciate joining her you. listening and giving a a, a, a good review. Yeah. Like, that's her opinion. Whatever. I mean, you could she wasn't insulting. Stars. She wasn't insulting. It one, just wasn't for her. One star is a bit much. All right. Now, here's a really good one star. This is from MEJ1977. Man, she hates us. Titled, Shameful. <laughs> I have listened to thousands of true crime podcasts. Have you? Thousands. thousands. Have you? Thousands. MJ, thousands. Literally thousands of podcasts. Aren't you exaggerating a little bit? MJ 1977. Dave, thousands. And I continue. But I've never felt compelled to leave a review until this one. I have no idea how this has five stars. I was shocked by the disrespectful and flippant 
attitudes when discussing the victims of West Memphis three. For the record, we never once disrespected the victims of the West Memphis three. Not once. And I challenge you to go find where we did. I may have segued one time into a joke about Mike that was a little, a little bit much, maybe. It was a joke more about me than the victims. But it, it, I used a segue point that was maybe a little offensive. But Do you really think this girl got that far? I don't know. I felt bad just listening to these guys rattle on and make jokes when discussing child physical and sexual abuse. Literally made me sick to my stomach. I think that's a bit of a stretch. I hope she threw up in her car. That would be funny to me. <laughs> if we were so offensive, she threw up in her fucking car yeah. and ruined it. I hope she didn't have weather tech, so she had to, you know, wet vac this shit off her carpets. Yeah. Sorry you had to clean your Kia. <laughs> We're hating on Kias now. No, I'm just whatever. <laughs> he just liked the alliteration. He wanted to say clean your uh, Kia. Yeah, whatever. That's uh could have said clean your Camaro. That's true. I could have. <laughs> okay, clean your Camaro. Go go with that. <laughs> that uh that's the bad review corner this week. Not terrible. Lots of five star reviews well, that to lady, counteract that. That so lady suck sh- it. Surely does not like us. She's appalled we have five stars. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We we got a couple of reviews up from that. I think it was. Did I miss one? Rissy, Rissy Flo left a really nice review about. Oh, um, David ignores good reviews. <laughs> Ian, we yeah, got to uh, we got to go ahead. Read yours. Go ahead. Well, I was going to read the review. Did this person just left a really nice one about West Memphis three. And then you go down a bit and we're called shameful. So I guess it's just yeah. Yeah. it's it's comical. Almost sometimes read these reviews like people revere us as like oh you do a great job of mixing like ian's awesome research and then like just the friendly banter mm-hmm. and like the comical like side sets and then people are like you fucking pigs i hate you you suck <laughs> okay it's all perspective our show like we're three guys who literally just sit around to drink beer like we don't have an end game here like this isn't like fucking amazon we're just having a good time man having a good time yeah <laughs> sorry if you don't like the show then don't listen if you like the show we love it that you like it and please keep supporting us and we appreciate it if you don't like it okay that's it move on there is millions of podcasts out there maybe we're not for you okay that's all max got to say about that and that's all i got to say about that <laughs> shrimp boat shrimp shoes <laughs> Shrimp salad, <laughs> shrimp burgers. That's so stupid. It's the not fucking stupid. worst movie that ever. Is, Dave, <laughs> I know you're mad that it beat Pulp Fiction and uh, Shawshank Redemption. And uh, awful. But I gotta tell you, what a year for movies. What was that ninety <laughs> four? We do this yeah. like every other week. We always do ninety three. I think. <laughs> it's like here we go. What a year for for the cinema! Can you imagine if that was like the the top movies? Yeah. Nowadays they nominate every single movie that ever came out in a year. Like there's 15, a lot more nominees. Fifteen fucking movies. So here's a, uh, one last question. All right, well, on this on a high note. And what are we at? Three hours? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Mike's done giving a fuck. As as a as a big fan of the cinema. And you like to watch all the Academy Award nominated movies each year. Are they nominating too many? Should they cut it in half? Should they? With, they're at like 10 now, right? Uh, yeah, nine or 10. Depends, right? That Eight, seems, nine, that 10. That seems a bit much. Do they need to do that many? Well, no fucks to give Mike. Um, I don't know. I like it. I don't mind it. I like the expansive list of Do you think they're all worthy nominees? of being nominated? 
usually each and every year no, when you watch them not all. Not necessarily. So maybe the list should be shortened a little bit. Mm, I'm just trying to be, uh, I don't know, more broad in the, in the selection criteria. It's a lot of great films every year. Okay. F- five. It's probably more than But if you're five. trying to fit the criteria, like the genres in, then maybe you're, you're kind of lowering your standards to fit genres in. Mm. Like maybe you should just pick the six best movies as agreed upon by, quote, the Academy. Well, it used to be, what, five, and now it's up to... I, I, I don't know. Eight or nine? Yeah. It's, it seems like a lot. Yeah, I like it. I think it's more. All right. The problem with you Best think- Picture is that they never include horror movies. That's what needs to be added to the Best Picture. Maybe a director should make a good horror movie for once. I think that's an <laughs> offensive statement that is not worthy of a response. <laughs> Boy. All right. All right, well, we've said enough offensive stuff tonight, probably. And Horror we, we does might... not get the proper <laughs> He's still respect. Going. He's still going. <laughs> do they even have their it's own cinema. category at uh, the Academy Awards, do they? Like no, best horror film. Of course not. That is odd. No. They should. Does not get the respect it deserves. Mm. Never has. All right. Dave, next week I might ask you what your three best horror movies of 2020 were. You've, you've been given a week to think about it. Or a couple days Sounds based on good. recording. Sounds good. I'll make a note. All right. We've pissed off a lot of people tonight, probably. So anyways, we'll see you next week. Why, Mike? Why do you piss off these people? (laughs) Why? Fuck them. That's why. (laughs) Fuck them. That's why. In the words of the great Dave Chappelle. (laughs) Why? Why do you treat your customers this way? Why? For the record, that's not how I think. I don't think that. I'm very grateful for our listeners. They're not very grateful for me, but it's another side story. Any hoodles. Please, Ian, let me open this last beer. All right, you guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers.